Heavenly Father, we do, um, we do rejoice uh, in your revelation through your word and we pray that today as we hear these words from the Apostle Peter written a couple of thousand years ago, uh, we know that they are so relevant for us today. We pray that you would open our ears, not just our physical ears, but the ears of our, our hearts uh, to hear what you have um, to say to us today. We pray that by your spirit, uh, you would enable us to take these words, uh, to ponder them, and we pray that you would change us deeply uh, by them for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Just reading um, from 2 Peter, from chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Well, I'd like to pray as well. Thank you for that lovely prayer, Steve. Let's also pray again. Heavenly Father, Give us wisdom and understanding. As we listen to your word, may we know you better, love you more, and learn to please you in all we do, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, the New Year stretches out ahead of us, and someone has said a New Year's resolution usually goes in one year and out the next. I'm not going to give you a New Year's resolution this morning, but... I'd like to encourage us all to move forward, to progress, to grow in our Christian lives by thinking about and acting upon what Peter tells us in today's Bible reading. Peter draws our attention to seven important qualities and in effect he says the more we grow like this, the more productive and useful we'll be in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll think about Peter's encouragement to us in a minute, but first 
let's notice his introductory words. Now, Peter wrote this second letter around AD 67, three years after his first letter, and shortly before he was crucified. He begins his letter in this way. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter here gives himself two names and two titles. Simon means a reed. And at one time, Peter was unstable like a reed. He was a bit impulsive and he was easily swayed. Peter means a rock. And Peter became stable and solid. How come? In short, because he got to know the Lord Jesus Christ better. And as we too this year grow in our knowledge of the Lord, we will become more stable and stronger Christians ourselves. Peter tells us that he is a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Well, as a servant, he served his master, Jesus, and as an apostle, he was sent by Jesus. And as we, in this year, are open to the Lord, we can serve our Lord where he calls us to serve him. That may take on a new form for us, perhaps, or new expressions, and be sent where he sends us. He may want to send you somewhere, local or wider. Now, Peter describes or addresses his readers in this way. To those who through the righteousness of our God and the Saviour Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Our faith is precious. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. You have received a faith as precious as ours, Peter says. So really, faith is the great leveller you're all children, sons, daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. All believers share equal privileges before God. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Isn't that a beautiful way of addressing anyone? And as we too get to know God better and Jesus our Lord better, we'll experience more of God's grace and peace in our lives this year. Now going on, Peter writes, by his divine power, he has given us everything we need to live a godly life or for life and godliness. Just let that sink in. As a Christian, you have everything you need to be what God wants you to be. Now, we may not think that or feel that always, but that's the case. Everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all this, he says, by coming to know him who called us to himself. So in Christ, in union with Jesus Christ, you and I know God's grace and love to us and mercy we are right with God in Christ and we have the help of his Holy Spirit. And says Peter, we have his precious and very great promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. 
In other words, now that we have pardon, power and precious promises, we can share in the divine character. We can live a godly life. See, God's grace not only forgives our sins, but empowers us to grow like him. And part of being a Christian is that we've escaped the corruption in the world. And it is through Jesus that we've been set free. Let's stay in that freedom. God has also promised that he will not let us be tempted beyond our strength, but with the temptation will also provide the way of escape that we may be able to endure it. Peter then goes on to say, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. And he lists seven qualities to add. In other words, in view of all that God has done for you and given to you in Jesus, who died and was raised to save you, make every effort to respond to this grace of God. Add to your faith these qualities. Add to your faith or supply in your faith these qualities. See that your faith results in Christian development. Willingly and actively cooperate with God. And so there is a place for effort or diligence in the Christian life. But that doesn't mean we work for God's favour Rather, we work from God's favour. In another part of scripture, Paul writes, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, we're not told here to work for our salvation. No, for we have been saved by grace through faith. But we are to work out our salvation to work out what God works in. And God is at work in us, and he will be at work in us this year, giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So let's look at these seven qualities which Peter says we're to make every effort to add to our faith. And he starts with goodness. Well, apparently the Greek word here means excellence moral excellence and so we can be people known for good standards this year values and work that out in our relationships in our work environments if we're in work environments or our leisure and pursuits we're told in the bible that jesus went about doing good and our faith in him will show itself to others in doing good, active goodness. Now, trusting in God who is good, we add to our faith goodness. And then says Peter, add to your goodness knowledge. Knowledge of Jesus. Now, um, Steve said the importance of the word of God to this church, in, to, to, to all churches. And so we, we open our Bibles this year. If you're not already in a habit of daily Bible reading, I'd encourage you to find something that works for you. 
I know a young man who um, says he reads the Psalms last thing at night. It's a great way to go to sleep on it. Knowledge of Jesus and his teachings, knowledge of a person and what pleases him. A knowledge that can increasingly tell the difference between what is true and what is false. We need to discern that. There's lots of philosophies out there and people who have cults and their views. You probably had some knock on your door. I had two men knock on my door during the week. Between what is right and what is wrong, in a secular society, we need to determine that in our choices. And between what is becoming and unbecoming and what is advantageous and what is hurtful. And this kind of knowledge comes from spending time with the Lord himself and with his word. To knowledge self-control, well, literally it means get a grip on yourself, and that means you can say no to yourself. A person prayed, Dear Lord, so far today I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, lost my temper, been nasty, greedy, overbearing, selfish or obnoxious. I'm really glad I've accomplished all these things on my own. But in a few minutes, Lord, I'm going to have to get out of bed. And <laughs> from that point on, I'm going to need all the help I can get from you. Amen. Well, thankfully, brothers and sisters, we don't have to have self-control all on our own. We do have the help of the Holy Spirit. And Paul tells us that self-control is included in the fruit the Holy Spirit will grow and produce in our character as we let the Spirit lead us, as we follow the Spirit, as we let him direct our path step by step. To self-control, perseverance. The word persevere comes from the prefix per, meaning through, coupled with the word severe. Now, Christian perseverance means to keep pressing on, trusting God, looking to him, standing firm through trials, sorrows, pressures. It's to go on steadily and bravely, not letting discouragement get the better of us. In the letter to the Hebrews, there's this exhortation. Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So let us too this year look to Jesus. There may be times, there may now be times in our lives where it calls for perseverance to stick there and not be overcome by pressures and these things that come against us. Keep our focus on Jesus. He will get us to the end of our race, our course. To perseverance, godliness. In his letter to Timothy, Paul wrote, train yourself in godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. 
as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, of course, exercising and keeping physically fit is valuable, but spiritual exercise and training even more so. In other words, exercise spiritually and practice being a better Christian because that will help you not only now in this life but in the next life too. And so when we come to worship, when we go to a home group during the week, when we open our Bible and talk to God, in effect we are training ourselves in godliness. And a godly person is careful to maintain his, her relationship with God and to grow in that, to reverence God, to glorify God and to be aware of God. To godliness, mutual affection. The word is Philadelphia, which literally means love of the brethren. Mutual affection or brotherly, sisterly affection, kindness. It's a warm word, isn't it? And it's refers primarily to relating to fellow Christians. Now, God calls us to be a family, and in fact, he saves us to a family, and he wants us to learn to live together in his family with mutual affection. For in Christ we are brothers and sisters. And then Peter says, to mutual affection, love. When somebody came to Jesus and asked about loving one's neighbour, he was told the parable of the Good Samaritan. A man had fallen among thieves and was wounded, lying there in the road. And two people came along who undoubtedly saw him and maybe had some feelings for him, but they did not do anything about it. They passed by on the other side. But the Samaritan came by and he saw this bleeding Jew, his enemy, Yet he paid attention and he took action on his behalf. And that is what this word love here means. It is not to fall in love with someone. It's not to feel affection for someone. It is to pay attention to their condition. And if they are in need, to do something about it. And so Peter says... Because of all that God has done for us and given to us in Jesus, we're to make every effort to add these qualities to our faith. And what is the result if we do? Peter tells us. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I take it that none of us here this morning uh, want to be ineffective or unproductive Christians this year. And we won't be providing these qualities are growing in increasing measure in our lives. But what if I lack these things? Peter says, then I've got poor eyesight and a bad memory. But if anyone does not have them, he says he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Whoever lacks these qualities is nearsighted 
and blind. Well, if you're nearsighted or blind, it means you can't see very far ahead clearly, or you just can't see. Now, I know I'm short-sighted, and if I took off my glasses, your uh, faces would just be a blur. So short-sighted people can't see very far ahead, blind people can't see, and here it implies you don't have a clear vision of God's goal for you. You don't see where God is calling you. He has saved you for something and you've forgotten the for and ultimately your destiny to be like Jesus, to see him as he is and to be with him. Nearsighted and blind, yes, but also got a bad memory, says Peter. Now I came across a short letter titled Forgetful Middle Years. Maybe it should be titled Forgetful Senior Years. But it read, Dear Cousin, just a line to say I'm living, that I'm not among the dead, though I'm getting more forgetful and mixed up in the head. Uh, for sometimes I can't remember when I stand at foot of stairs if I must go up for something or I've just come down from there. And before the fridge, so often my poor mind is filled with doubt. Have I just put food in there or have I come to take some out? Now, I know the people that are chuckling, I'm not going to say you're relating to this personally, but sometimes we do think like that, don't we? If it's not my turn to write you, there's no need of getting sore. I may think that I haven't written and don't want to be a bore. So remember, I do love you and wish that you were here but now it's nearly mail time, so I must say goodbye, my dear. P.S. There I stood beside the mailbox with my face so very red. Instead of mailing you the letter, I had opened it instead. Well, yes, forgetting things can be a problem. And Peter says here, if anyone does not have them, he has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past or old sins. In other words, forgotten God's kindness and mercy to him in the past, taking it for granted. But God forgave our sins to move us on, to free us to go forward and to move us on to Christ-likeness. Peter concludes, therefore, brethren, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. We can say progress is proof. If we are progressing in the Christian life, that's proof we're a Christian to ourselves and to others. And Peter tells us, therefore, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Those who are diligent at adding these spiritual virtues to their faith confirm their calling and election. They give evidence. They have been called and chosen by God and Christian calling and Christian living go together. And Peter says that two results will follow if we confirm our calling and election with a life agreeable to it. One, you'll never stumble or fall. And two, you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. I wonder as a child, did you ever play the game Snakes and Ladders? Well, you didn't want to slip down a snake, but you did want to go up a ladder. 
And in our Christian life, we don't want to stumble or slip or fall either, but to keep going up and progressing. And here Peter tells us, if you do these things, you'll never fall or stumble. In other words, if we press on in this way, we are not likely to come to grief, we will not fail in our Christian lives, we will not fall out upon the march and be left behind. Where does it all lead to? Peter tells us, and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. The believer will reach the goal of his or her lifelong journey and will make it with an abundant entrance. God will open wide the gates of heaven for you to enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Well, dear brothers and sisters, <clears throat> the new year stretches out ahead of us. With God's continual enabling, as we act on Peter's teaching, which we've heard today, then we will be effective and productive, fruitful Christians in 2017. Someone has said that the Christian life is like power steering in a car. Well, the engine provides the power for the steering, but the driver is to turn the wheel. So too, the Lord provides the power to run our lives, grace upon grace, but we, trusting him the whole way in everything, are to add to our faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Lord God, without you we are not able to please you. Mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <laughs>